0: So I don't quite know how that works. Um, Thank you for the pass to get in here, though I officially am too old. You may take your seats. And uh, it's good to be with you. I'm actually 43, not 40, so I'm even older. So I don't know how many more times I'm going to get invited into the Sunday sub-30 meeting. But while I'm still invited to stuff like this, I'm going to keep turning up, okay? (laughs) a word in my heart for you. I preached this morning to the church and yesterday evening and some of you know that when I arrived, I was delayed by uh, many different delays. Got stuck in an immigration room in Miami Airport for 3 fun hours. That was great fun. Sat next to a guy who started to chat me up who turns out telling me he was a drug dealer. I'm like, "This is awesome." I turned to him and said, "Sir, I'm old enough to be your mother and you need Jesus." He was not expecting either of those replies to his invitation to go to dinner and I was locked in there and could not get out and then finally arrived here and then spent the whole day Saturday throwing up in the bathroom with some crazy thing that just happened to my stomach, just got sick, managed to get here Saturday night. So you know when all that stuff happens, you either are in the wrong place or you're in the very right place. So I I believe I'm in the right place with a word for you this evening, and I don't want to mess around wasting any time. I want to get straight into the Word of God, because I don't know about you, but I'm realizing more and more my life is just a vapor. It's not that long, people. We don't have that long to make a difference on the planet. And right now in this room is God's answer to the planet. You are his solution to so many of the problems that are around you. And any church that invests this much in this generation, means that there is a great expectation on you for the future. There are churches all over the world that don't have the equivalent of what you have right now. There is no sub-30 group. There is no riot night. There is no coming together for worship that is catering to you as a young person. There is none of that going on in a lot of churches on the planet. And so to be in a church where you are heavily invested in, with that comes a lot of responsibility. And so therefore, I want to remind you this evening of your responsibility, not just in this church, but in this community and beyond, because God is looking to you to make some moves in your generation that will help others make a move towards Him. And we have heard it said many times about us being the answer and not the problem, but let me tell you, I have never seen a time... More like now, when we need God more than ever before, our world is in a mess. All you have to do is turn on the TV and watch the news to see the confusion, to see the hatred that is breeding in the dark places, to see how person is turning against person because of the color of their skin, to see how people are judged and people are segregated and separated over issues of how they live their life. The world is in a distress and the world is in a mess and the church therefore has a job to do like no other time and that's why I speak to you this evening with an urgency because in your lifetime, on your watch, there is a greater need than there has ever been before for you to wake up to your responsibility. And if you're here tonight to just fill a seat, I pray that you leave this room knowing that you are not a seat filler, but you are a world changer. That there is something God has for you to do. So I wanna talk to you tonight A message that I've only spoken once to my home young people. And so I bring it to you tonight to extend the same invitation to you. And I want to ask you tonight are you willing to fix the famine? I believe there is a spiritual famine in the earth right now a famine of truth, a famine of morality, a famine of righteousness. A famine of honor, a famine of respect, a famine of values. There is a famine in our world right now, a a famine of so many things that God says we need in order to live our life well and to live our life right. Famine, the word simply means when there is scarcity, when there is lack, when there is deficiency, and when there is a short supply, And we understand the word famine when it comes to a natural disaster. We understand pictures of children that are starving because they are born into a situation of famine and lack and drought and short supply. But we must understand that the same is true in the spiritual. That when there is a lack, when there is a drought, when there is a short supply of the things that God says, he needs us to walk out on the earth in order for the earth to be well. When there is a famine of those things, our world becomes topsy-turvy and all manner of dysfunction begins to happen because famine leads to starvation. And when people are starving in the natural, they become desperate and begin to eat anything. And when people are starving, in the spiritual, they become desperate and they begin to eat anything. They will eat anyone's lies, they will eat anyone's bit of value that they give them, they'll eat anyone's love, they'll take from anyone because they're starving of real love, they're starving of real affection, they're starving of real value and real truth and so they will eat the lie that they are given. Whether it's on social media or on TV, whether it's through a celebrity Hollywood star that is peddling their own version of what they feel is good food, but we know it is not good food. But the Word of God is true food. His Word is light unto our path. It is meat to our body. It is food to our soul. But when you are in an environment where people are starving, they don't just begin to die within themselves, but they begin to pick at one another. When people are really desperate and really hungry, it even gets to the point where they will cannibalize one another. And we are living in a time and age like never before where people literally will pull another human being down to make a point, where a guy will look at a girl as if she is a piece of meat, and we'll rate her on her appearance and how she is dressed, and we'll value her on her outward appearance. All we are doing is dehumanizing a daughter of God that he created in his image. And that's why we have all kinds sexual abuse and sexual immorality and things like rape that happen in high schools and on the streets where you and I live. Why? Because in our starvation of truth and of what is right, all manner of wrong is allowed to breed. All you have to do is flick through the TV channels. I've decided there is nothing much worth watching on TV anymore. I turned the TV on and I, the other day, was running on my treadmill and I was flicking the channels and I flicked across a show. I don't know if you've heard of it, but we have a show in England called Big Brother. And when I flicked over it, I was like, God help us. I mean, seriously, I'm, I'm talking about where you live right now. This is where your generation live. If it's good entertainment to watch someone devalue someone else. If it's good entertainment for people to get their clothes off on TV so that we can all see everything they have and we somehow feel that's worth our time and investment of watching, if that has become the norm of what your generation eat and digest, make no wonder this generation is sick from the inside out. They're sick. This is the serious business that God chose to have you born at this time in this generation to be a solution to. He handpicked the timing of your life for this time in history. And so you have to wake up to the fact that in your time there is a famine which God is asking you to fix. And if we laugh at the same junk that the world laugh at, And if we find it okay to say the things the world say okay, and if we go with the flow and carry on feeding the famine that is in our generation, then we are no solution. We are just adding to the problem. But the good news is that God uses famines to turn situations around. God used famines throughout scripture to bring awareness of who he was at a whole nother level. God used famines to redirect entire nations to their knees to call on him for supply. God used famines to raise up unusual leaders It took a famine to get Abraham to Egypt. It took a famine to get Ruth to meet Boaz. It took a famine to get Joseph to be a prime minister. It took a famine to take a nation to fall at the feet of a prophet and ask him to call on his God. Famines are times when God will rise up, his own choice of leaders, and therefore you are highly chosen in this season are times not for us to fear but there are times for us to wake up. And you must wake up and realize we are not doing business as usual. People are starving and you have the food that they need in this day and age. I want to show you from a natural famine in the Bible how God was able to use some unusual people to fix a famine that would then feed a nation. There's a famine in the Bible, it happened in two kings. It was a famine that happened in the place called Samaria, and Samaria was known for idol worship. It was a place that did not call on God and did not value God, and this place was under siege and went into severe famine. And as I read about the famine, I want you to think not just of the natural famine that's going on here, but of the spiritual famine I have just referred to. It says, there was a great famine in the city. And the famine lasted so long that a donkey's head was selling for 80 shekels of silver. And a quarter of a cab of seed pods, and that in other words is bird poo. Seed pods was dove's dung, which is bird poo, was selling for five shekels of silver so, people were taking all of their money because of the famine to buy things they would never normally eat because they were so desperate for food. And people now, because they are so desperate for love, are spending money in the wrong places to find it. And people that are so desperate for value <laughs> are spending money on an addiction to try and give them a sense a feeling, and a sense of a high, and people are going to all the wrong places to find something that they waste their time and effort and energy on that in a normal time with the right food, you would never even consider eating. It says they were eating stuff they would never consider to eat, but it got worse. It says the king was walking along the wall of the city And the woman cried out, Oh, king, help me, help me. And the king turned and said to her, If the Lord doesn't help you, how can I help you? Where am I supposed to get help from? And then he said to her, Well, what's the matter? And she answered, Well, this woman here, she said to me, Because we're starving, why don't you give up your son so we may eat him today? And tomorrow... We will eat my son, so we cooked my son, and we ate him, and then the next day I said to her, give up your son, it's your turn, so we may eat him, but she had hidden him away." What a weird thing to put in the Bible, but when I tell you that spiritually when people are starving, they will eat one another, they will tear down one another. They will attack one another. They will pull out a gun and shoot one another. This is not a surprise. Though it is shocking in the reading, I could read the same account, but I could read it about Orlando, Florida. I could read the same account, but I could read it about one person harming another person just because of race or because of a disagreement that happened. I could read the same account about what we are doing to one another in a famine. And this woman, she calls out to the one who was in leadership at the time, the king, who should have been able to help. And she says, oh, king, can you help me? And as she calls to him, he goes, if God can't help you how can I help you and he begins when she tells him her, tells her story to him to rip his clothes and he goes off and he disappears behind his walled castle walls and he begins to shout and blaspheme God and blame God I tell you the world are looking to the wrong leaders yeah. they're looking to the one that walks on the wall wearing the robe. They're looking to the one that's running for the presidential office. They're looking to the one that is standing up saying, I have the answers. But I tell you, God is going to raise up leaders that are not walking on the walls, but are within the walls. Because those that blame God, they are not the ones that God can use to bless his people those that shake an angry fist and blaspheme God for something that God is not responsible for. We have done this to ourselves. We've allowed things to go too far. We've let things go. We've not spoken up, but we have to change the tide. So how do we... How do we fix the famine, sub-30? How do you begin to fix the famine in your college and in your university, in your place of work, in the community where you serve and you live? How do you fix the famine in your dorm and in the area where you know all manner of wrong things are happening? How do you fix the famine? You can't fix it by turning away your face. You can't fix it by going in a corner and praying that God would remove it. You have to do more than that. You have to become someone that God can use in that hour. And though you may feel unqualified, I have a newsflash for you tonight. It probably means if you feel you're unqualified, you are highly qualified. As the famine grew and as the people's plight deepened, The prophet of God, who earlier the king had blasphemed and had said, who does he think he is? The prophet Elijah said, this whole famine will be fixed by this time tomorrow. At his words, the king said, are you kidding? That will never happen. And the king had an officer on whom he lent for advice and the officer said, as if that could ever happen. But when God speaks, there will be doubters that cry out. But the church don't need to doubt. Don't let fear overwhelm your faith. Don't let your doubting begin to stop you from moving when God is saying to you, this can be changed. God can change the state of your school, your university, your nation. Yes, he can. But he needs people that will believe him. And when he speaks, we'll be ready to move. And so the answer was about to come from a very unusual place. It could have been the Jacksonville of the nation. It came from a group of guys that no one would expect would help anyone at any time. Because if you looked at this group of guys that were about to step up, you would say, how in the world can they fix anything? They're broken themselves. How can they bring hope to anyone? They are hopeless. when inside themselves, there is so much that is wrong. But the first thing you need to know about fixing a famine is a famine is a time when often the leper will become the leader. The one who has things that are broken will be the one that God uses to be a restorer. The one that knows what it's like to be starving is the one that will go and find the food for the hungry. The one that knows what it's like to be cut out and ostracized and isolated at the lunch table and told you don't fit and you don't belong is the very one that, because of what you've journeyed through, God wants to use you to bring an answer to others so they don't feel the same pain. says that as this famine is happening and as all of this starvation is taking over it says in 2 kings 7 verse 3 now there were four men with leprosy and they were at the entrance of this city and they said to one another hey if we stay here we're going to die if we go right into the city where the famine is the worst We're gonna die. And so I have an idea. Why don't we go over to the camp of the enemy and surrender? And if they spare us, we will live. But if they kill us, we will die. The first thing that will fix a famine is courage. Courage. These guys were like, hey, We don't have many options, and when I go through my options they don't sound great. The first option is stay and die. The second option is stay in the city and die. The third option is go to the enemy and probably die, but my third option has a but. There is a possibility if we have the courage to get up and move, if we have the courage to go and find an answer, if we have the courage to do something, there is the smallest possibility that our courage will create a new option, and that new option will become room for God to do something miraculous. See, courage creates options that fear never will. Courage adds another idea when all the ideas have run out. Courage says, but why don't we go to the enemy camp? Courage says, you know what? I'm going to at least try something because something is better than doing nothing. It was courage that got Esther out of the harem where she was being pampered for the king. And she said, I know my people are going to die. There's going to be a famine of justice, and my people are going to be massacred. And she said, I don't know what I can do, but I'll tell you something. I'm going to have enough courage to get up and approach the king. And you know what? If I perish, I perish. But at least I did something. I tell you, you are a generation that needs more courage than ever before. Where are the courageous ones? The ones that even though you know, if I say something, I might be shouted down. If I speak up about what went on behind closed doors, I may lose that friend. If I say that I saw what happened and I step into the gap and I speak up for what is right, I may never be accepted in that group anymore. But I tell you, I might also save the life of the person that right now is being persecuted. (laughs) Courage. Some of you lack the courage to say to the group that want you to go watch porn, I'm not coming. So you go along with them and you just do what they do because I'd rather just blend in and begin to be part of the famine rather than answer the famine. But courage will say, I'm not coming. Don't invite me anymore. I know you might not want me in your group anymore, but I'd rather not be in the group. I'd rather not die of what you're eating. I'd rather step aside and be who God has called me to do. But that's going to take some courage. It's going to take courage. But in this generation, you don't have the time. I don't have the time to blend into the background because while you're blending in, people are boiling one another's babies. People are eating and pulling apart one another. People are tearing down one another. And until that makes you sick on the inside, you will not seek to be a cure for the sickness in your society. I tell you, when I turn the TV on and I see those things, I have to turn it off. It makes me physically sick because I have a 13-year-old daughter. And all I can think is if a generation that are older than her tell her it's okay to watch that stuff, It's okay to hang with that crowd, then you know what you're doing? You're making her eat the same dove dung that you ate. So you have a responsibility to get up and say, I'm going to take a risk, I'm going to be the one that's honest, I'm going to speak up, I'm going to make a move, I'm determined to do something to fix this famine. I don't know what the famine is that you right now are facing. Some of you have a famine in your own life, a famine of friendship, a famine of self-control, a famine of honesty and integrity, a famine of righteousness. I don't know what your famine is right now in your own life, but I tell you, it begins there. You've got to have the courage to fix your famine, to get up and say, I need help. Pastor Clay, I need help. I have been faking it, but I am not right. Hey, I, I need actually to come and say, I I need forgiveness. I need to break off some relationships that are very detrimental to my future. It's going to take courage, but I tell you, the other side of it, you're going to find God, because it says that as they got up, to go to what they did not know would either be their death or their life. They didn't know. But as they got up, because they knew staying in the famine was not right, as they got up, it says, God used the noise of them getting up to become like a noise of an army that was descending upon the enemy's camp. And though they could not hear the noise that the army that they were hearing could hear, their movement triggered heaven to make a movement. And as they got up, God sent a sound that only those in the Armenian camp could hear. And all of them began to say, an army's coming, an army's coming. There was no army coming. There were four leprous men coming with limbs that were disheveled, fingers that are dropped off, white flaky stuff coming off their skin. They were not scary. They didn't have weapons. They were coming, four of them broken, rejected, isolated, thrown out of the community that they wanted to be accepted by. They were the least of the least in so many ways. And you might feel like you're the least of the least in so many ways. But I tell you, when you show God courage, God begins to show Himself strong on your behalf. And they get up, and a noise begins to ripple in the enemy camp. And the enemy say, They're coming for us, an army is coming, as these four lepers stroll to their camp and they flee, courage will surprise you. Courage will begin to show you just how crazy it is to serve God. I tell you, if your life is boring and you are a believer, you are doing something wrong. If your life is predictable, then I'm asking you, what, what are you doing that is scaring the enemy? I mean, if your life is safe, if your life is nice, really, I don't think that God sent his only son to die on a cross for you to sit back and drink your Kool-Aid. I don't think that's what this was all about. He sent His only Son to die an agonizing death so that when it was your turn to represent who He was, people would not see casual and laid-back, but they would see courageous and the lion that we sang about earlier. They would see people that had guts. They would see people that were fierce in their faith. They would see people that when you walk in a room, those that are in famine would say, food that is good for my soul has just arrived. If you want to fix the famine, find your courage. The second thing you have to do if you want to fix the famine is you have to be righteous. See, these lepers, they arrived at an empty camp. The enemy had fled. Imagine for a moment what that must have felt like, to show up and everything was there for free. The enemy had gone, they'd left all their gold, all their silver, all their cattle, all their horses, all their weaponry, and more than that, all their food. And boy, was their food rich. I mean, there was stuff that you would be drooling over had you not eaten for so long. Imagine if you had no McDonald's for three years. And someone walked in with a quarter pounder of cheese and fries and a shake. I mean, you'd be like, come to Jesus moment right there. (laughs) They'd not seen food. They'd seen people eating things they should have never eaten, and now there's all this food and so they get into the camp and they begin to stuff their faces like most guys would. And he says, the men reached the camp. And they saw the enemy had gone, so they ate and they drank and they took the silver and they took the gold and they took the clothes and then they went and they hid them. And then they returned and they entered another tent and they took some more things and they hid them also. And then they looked at one another and said these words, what we're doing is not right. This is good news. How can we keep this? to ourselves. When you come to sub-30 every Sunday and you eat and you drink and you take the gold and the wisdom and then you go back and you hide it in your bedroom and in your notebook and you close it And then you come back for riot night and you eat and you drink and you take the gold and the wisdom and then you take it and you put it on your shelf until next Sunday. And then you eat and you drink and then you go to the beach with your friends that you always see. And you hang out and you eat and you drink together and you socialize together. I have to ask you, who are you inviting to the table to share the good things that God has put in your hands? to feed someone else with. See, we'll never feed a nation if all we're concerned about is feeding ourselves. And we'll never fix a famine if all we want is our fill. And these guys, though they were starving, they came to their senses in a moment and said, you know what, why are we eating all this to ourselves? This is not what we're supposed to do. See, you have to understand that you're called to fix a famine. And there's two ways you can approach that. Number one is you can let God feed you and him be your supply. Or number two is you can say, I have chosen to become a supplier. One, one will satisfy you. The other will draw out of you. And I decided... When I was 14 years of age, thank you God for being my supply, but I don't want to live a life where you're just my source and my supply. I want to become a supplier. See, some of you have got forgiveness for your sins, but you can't even forgive the guy three rows behind you. Some of you have got restoration from a relationship that went wrong, but you won't even help fix the relationship that you know if you spoke the right words, you could fix. Some of you, you were the one that was isolated at the lunch table in the university block. You were the one that wasn't invited to the parties. Then you met some sub-30 guys, and they invited you to the beach party, and this party, and that party, and you're all partied out. But God wants to remind you where you came from. And said, this is not supposed to be just for you. Go find your friend and bring them to the beach. Let me tell you, if anyone deserved to keep this food to themselves, it was the lepers. I mean, they had been kicked out of town. They weren't even given food off people's plates because no one wanted to go near them because of the disease that was on them. These guys knew what it was to be shunned and to be left out and not to be included. And sometimes the thing that is taken from you and you feel you weren't given, you weren't given the love, you weren't given the praise, you weren't given the inclusion. It could be that thing that is the hardest for you to let go towards someone else. But they had to overcome their own offense and realize we're only repeating a cycle. If we keep this to ourselves. But I'm deciding today not to continue the famine, but to fix the famine. Courage, in doing the right thing. Might not feel right to say sorry. It might not feel right to forgive. It might not feel goosebumpy to go and fix that situation, but I tell you, you've got to do the right thing. Righteousness in your generation. We'll fix the famine. Stand up and say what's right. Speak up for what is right. Don't go along with the crowd, but be the one who will do right. And finally, time's gone, but it says, and you can read it for yourself. It's just an interesting little piece of information that it throws in at the end of this story, because it says that as they go back to tell everyone, we found food. people the king sent down to the gateway that was between the people and their freedom the very man who had been the voice of doubt who had said to the king God could never do this he sent that man down to stand on the gate and I tell you some of you you are in a cycle of famine because you keep allowing the same voice at the gateway of your life And every time you're about to do something, step out, get your breakthrough, you have repositioned in your life the same insecurity, doubt, negativity, and fear. So when freedom wants to come out and the famine can get fixed, you've put something in the way that unless you do what the people did, it says the people were so desperate that they trampled through the gateway and they trampled over this man that was in their way. And I tell you as a generation, you're going to have to trample some things, once and for all, if you're going to be the answer in this time that God is raising you up. You're going to have to trample peer pressure. You're going to have to trample what will they say. You're going to have to trample the status quo. You're going to have to trample what people want to put in the gateway. So I close by asking you, will you fix the famine? your own life. Where's your famine? Right now, where is it if you said, I know I have no self-control? I can guarantee you, where you have a famine of self-control, you are eating spiritually things that are bad for you. You are watching things that are toxic to your soul. You are in relationships that are hurting you, not helping you, because where there's a famine of self-control, you begin to eat things you would never eat if you had self-control. Some of you, you're in a famine of loneliness, a famine where you have no real friends and therefore you have a life that because that's the area where you're in famine, you have substituted real friendship with fake friends, with people that say they're there for you but they ain't there for you, they're just using you. Because we begin to eat the things that are offered to us when we're starving for the real thing. Some of you are living a fake life because you have a famine of honesty. You're not real with anybody, and so you're fake to everybody, and inside you're dying because when you live in a famine of honesty, lies become your diet, and lies will not build you up, but they will tear you down. So you must fix your own famine so that then you can go and fix the famine that is in your generation and the generation that are coming behind you. So where are the lepers that will become leaders? Where are the ones that will be courageous when fear wants to make you sit down, but you will stand up? Where are the ones who will say, I will not just receive the supply, but I will become a supplier? Where are the ones that will trample the things in the gateway that are keeping people from finding freedom and the way forward? Where are those people? If you are going to be part of the answer and not keep living in the problem, then you're gonna need courage. And if you're saying tonight, I wanna find that courage, I wanna help fix the family, I want you to stand to your feet all across the room. Don't stand to your feet because your friend did, or the people around you did, but understand as I stand up, I'm identifying God. I don't wanna blend in, I don't want to live in this society anymore without speaking up in the way that you are asking me to we're gonna worship just for a moment and then I'm gonna ask you if tonight you need to fix a famine in your own life if there's something in you that needs breaking if there's an area in you that you're like I'm this area I have a famine it's loneliness it's self-control there's an area in me I've got to fix tonight. I'm going to ask you in a moment to have the courage to come forward to the altar and I'm going to pray over you in a moment that you would fix something in your life tonight so you can fix it in the lives of others. So in this moment, I'm just going to ask the worship team to begin to sing. I'm going to ask you to begin to worship and then I'm going to ask you when you're ready to come to the front and begin to respond. Come on.